And today, uh, we're going to be looking back in Luke chapter 11. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn there, and I'll uh, get there in a minute. But uh, this uh, prayer series that we've been in is, is following uh, the Lord's Prayer. That's the way most Bibles have the heading. But the reality is it should be the Disciples' Prayer uh, or the Model Prayer, probably a better title for it, uh, because the prayer is not for the Lord Jesus. Uh, the prayer is for all of us. Uh, to use as a model in how we approach uh, our Heavenly Father and, and how we uh, speak to Him and the things that we should call on, ask for. And uh, one commentator said it like this, this prayer is like a laser beam to help us express our dependence on God. It's helping us to become laser focused on our dependence on God. It expresses a desire for holiness. It calls on God as the Holy One, set apart, completely different. It calls for God's presence to, to rule and reign supreme. It calls on us to live a life of forgiveness, that we would be forgivers just as we've been forgiven that we would recognize God's provision in every aspect of our life and that we need his protection, that we need his guidance to refrain from those things that the enemy would attempt to throw at us. And so today as we think about this sort of laser beam of a prayer, uh, I want to invite you uh, to turn to Luke 11. We're going to look at verses 2 through 4 again. Uh, we're going to read it again every week. Last week we talked about uh, God's uh, hallowedness. Uh, he's holy, set apart, completely different from us. Uh, this week we're going to look at your kingdom come, a different kind of kingdom that God asks us to live in and be a part of in the kingdom that we think we are. A kingdom that is both here and now and a kingdom that is not yet to come. And so in Luke 11 verse 2 it says this, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And as you read that, as we read it last week, and in a moment we're going to look at the Matthew version, but uh, you might think, like, that's not exactly the way I remember the Lord's Prayer. Because if I look at Matthew 6, it's a lot longer. And I talked about that a little bit last week. Matthew's version is a little longer. But some translations, even modern translations, have the Luke 11 passage exactly or very similar to the Matthew passage. Matthew and Luke are similar in some translations. In mine, it's not. And there's a reason for that. When the King James Bible was written, and that's the Bible that kind of is the standard for, for that era and for centuries ahead, there were some manuscripts that they had found, a, a lot of manuscripts from Luke and Matthew, and those manuscripts showed similarities between the two passages. But as the centuries progressed, researchers, archaeologists, uh, biblical experts found some sources, some texts that was dated even earlier than what was used for the King James Bible. Some primary sources that were earlier historically than the ones the King James used. 
And so scholars and researchers determine that probably what happened over time is that scribes and those that, that looked at the Bible across the synoptic, synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that they just tried to harmonize those two, but probably Luke was shorter originally. And so that's why some versions have a shorter, like this one, and other versions keep in line with King James, and they harmonize the two. It's because of the transcripts, the manuscripts that were found, and when those are dated historically. And so there's your Bible history lesson for the day. But the truth is, the good news is, your kingdom come is the same in both. The, the heart of this passage, the heart of these, uh, this prayer that we're looking at is the same across the two Gospels. And so today we're going to look at what God calls us to live out in a different kind of kingdom. Because we all know, and, and we studied in history, and some of you are still studying, uh, what kingdoms are like. We think about the Ottoman Empire or the Roman Empire, the dynasties of China uh, over the centuries. We think about the United Kingdom. And when we think about your kingdom come, what exactly does that, like, what does it mean exactly for God's kingdom to sort of exist here? What does that mean? What's the, what's the structure to that kingdom? Because every other kingdom that I know of has a structure, there's a structure to that kingdom. And, and, and today I want us to think about some of those ideas of what does a kingdom really look like? Who's a part of it? What does it mean? And as a warning right now, uh, we're doing a series on prayer. And so today you're going to get to pray three times uh, in our service. So I'm just letting you know now to be ready that you're going to pray. I'm not going to call you out and bring the microphone to you. Unless you want me to, I still won't do it. Uh, but you're going to have an opportunity to pray so we can practice uh, what I'm preaching. Uh, we can practice what it means to pray and ask God to, to invade us, to, to overwhelm us with his kingdom so that others might see it. But the first question I want us to think about is, who are the characters in this kingdom? Who are the characters now, maybe the first question, even before that, is, do I even think about God's kingdom? Do I even think about the kingdom of God, or am I only concerned about my own kingdom? Which, for some of us, involves a house and a few cars and kids, and for those of you, it involves, you know, clothes and gaming systems and cell phones and those things. That's my kingdom, do we only think about our kingdom or do we think about God's kingdom? And if we think about God's kingdom, then who are the characters in that kingdom? Who are the players? Who's involved in God's kingdom? Because if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you're a part of God's kingdom. If you've surrendered your life and, and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner that cannot save myself, and so I receive by faith the pardon that we just sang about, the pardon you offer me through your death on the cross. If you've placed your faith in Jesus that he forgives you of your sin, then you're a member of God's kingdom. And so you're a character, you're a player, you're a part of God's salvation history. 
a part of his great kingdom that lasts for eternity. And so what does it mean to be a character, to have a role in that kingdom? Well, first we have to acknowledge that there's only one king and his name isn't your name. His name is Jesus. We have one king. His name is Jesus. He is the king of God's kingdom. He is the ruler. He is supreme. He is the name above all names. He is our sovereign ruler. Jesus is our king. And he created this kingdom. Not just so that you and I could punch our ticket to heaven one day. Not just an eternal kingdom somewhere in this sort of strange, unknown place that we call heaven. No, he created that kingdom so that we not only would live eternally, but that we would live abundantly today. They would live abundantly as members of that kingdom. And the great news is that he's placed you and me in that kingdom as stewards of his kingdom. We, we get to be caretakers of God's kingdom here on earth. He's chosen you. What, what a great privilege that God chose you to be a caretaker for his kingdom right here and right now in Harris, Galveston, and Brazoria County. What a great privilege that is. And so what does that look like? Who are the, what is my character? What is my role to play? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly who we are as characters in God's kingdom. We're disciples, because he was telling this prayer, he's telling his disciples, those 12 guys that followed him around for three years, you know, Matthew, Peter, James, and John, Thomas, the doubter, Judas, the traitor, Simon, the zealot, James, the lesser, Nathaniel, all these guys, Philip, they followed him around. They were disciples. That's what we are, disciples. Those that desire to follow Christ, to, to model our life after him. That's what we are. That's who we are. But we're also servants. We're people who serve one another. We serve those around us. We serve those that we come in contact. We are called, just as Jesus did, to give our life away. Jesus says, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, what should you be? The least right? A servant of all. So my place in the kingdom is a disciple, a follower of Christ, one who, who models my life after my Savior, my King. But I'm also a servant, one who gives my life away and exalts others above myself. That's what I am. That's who I am. But perhaps in my estimation, the coolest role that you and I get to play is the role of priest, priest. The Bible says that those who would claim the name of Christ are a royal priesthood. Royalty, that's you and me. A priest. Someone who, who has access to the Father, direct access to the Father. The one who cares and encourages and equips others around him or her to draw closer to Jesus. And oh, by the way, I'm royalty. I'm an adopted son or daughter of the king. What a great blessing that is. What a great honor that is to be called a priest, 
Son of the Most High God, daughter of the Most High God. And so as you sit here today, whether in person or online, you have a great role to play in the kingdom. You're a great part of the kingdom. Don't sell yourself short that God can do mighty things through you, that he can use you as a disciple, a servant, a priest to draw others into the kingdom and to live out this abundant life that he calls us to today. Because our job, our role, our part to play as a disciple, as a servant, is to live a life that reflects what God will eventually do. Because God's plan is to make what? All things new. All things new. That's the ultimate plan is to make all things new. And so if I want God's kingdom to be true now and here, then I need to be a part of that right here and right now. I want to be a part of making all things new. And so I want to do and be what God will eventually do on a grand scale. That's my role. But we need to be reminded this is a real-life adventure and not a fun one all the time. It's a challenging one. Because if I'm going to be a disciple, a servant, a priest in a world that is against me, in a kingdom that is not for me, it's not always easy. Because it's going to be easy for me to take my eyes off the kingdom that God has in store and to place them back on my kingdom. And so perhaps today, rather than worrying about our social media account, rather than worrying about our retirement account, rather than getting excited about my new gadget, the iPhone 13's out, and the new MacBook Pro, if you're wondering, or my preferences on politics or worship style, those are my kingdom kind of distractions. Rather than being worried about those things, rather than being concerned about my comfort and my way, maybe even your own shortcomings, you say, God, I need a change of heart. I need a change of attitude. I want to be focused on your kingdom and not my own. And so I want to invite you to pray. We're all going to pray. Those of you watching online, it's going to be silent for a bit, probably. Just giving you that acknowledgement. But I want you to take a few minutes to pray. And to pray about three things, really. To pray, perhaps, that you would ask God to forgive you for focusing more on your kingdom than his. Maybe today, when I mentioned, do you think more about your kingdom or his kingdom? Maybe that was the first time you actually thought about his kingdom in a long time. So you would ask God to forgive you for just paying attention to yourself and not to him. You would ask him to forgive you that. That you would ask him to change your heart so that you could see and, and your attention will be directed to those things that demonstrate that we are a servant, a disciple, a priest. And he would reignite a passion, the flame that 
burns within you for his kingdom. That he would do that, that he would reignite that flame for his glory, for his kingdom. So let's bow together and take a moment to pray and ask God to focus on his kingdom. Father, we do call on your holy name today. And Lord, we do pray that you would forgive us when we think more about our own kingdom than we think about yours. Change our hearts so that we may direct our attention to the things that matter the most the things of eternity, the things that matter to you. Lord, we know that we can't do this in our own strength, in our own might. We prove that over and over again, that left to us and ourselves only, we can't do it. And so we call on your name to fill us with your spirit so that we may be the disciple, the priest, the the servant you desire us to be. Ignite in us, reignite in us a passion for your kingdom that we may shine brightly in a dark world, in a kingdom that is filled with darkness. May we be the bright light. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I I think about this kingdom concept, it's easy if you've made it through high school history to know sort of the result of kingdoms. You can look at the Ottoman Empire. You can look at the Roman Empire. uh, You can look at the dynasties of China. You can even see the conquests uh, of the United Kingdom throughout South Asia and Africa. You you can see sort of tangibly what those kingdoms are made of. You, You can see that they've built and destroyed cities. You can see that their armies have been conquered and conquered others. You can see those tangible results of what the kingdom looks like. 
You see their currency with the emperor's face on it. And you can see from archaeological discoveries where they went, how they lived, and all those things. The challenge when I think about God's kingdom is that the result or the, the evidence of the kingdom isn't always that easy to spot. Because it's not always tangible. God's kingdom is not always like, I can hang on to it, I can, you know, I can see it. But, but there is a, a currency, there is a, a, a value to God's kingdom that we have to explore and understand and, and begin to embrace. And so the question is, what is the currency of God's kingdom? What is the thing of value that when we look at the kingdom of God and we look at the results of when God's kingdom expands and advances and we see results of, okay, this was a kingdom kind of movement, what does that look like? Because I can't always go down to the museum and see, oh, well, this is what happened. Because God's kingdom isn't always so tangible. Because the currency in God's kingdom is love. That's the currency of God's kingdom. Love. The valuable thing in God's kingdom is grace. The precious stone in God's kingdom is holiness. The gem in God's kingdom is peace. The currency of God's kingdom is harmony. The thing of great value in God's kingdom is everlasting joy. And the peace de resistance is worship. That we would exalt our mighty Savior and acknowledge him for who he is, sustainer, creator, redeemer, holy one of Israel. As we think about God's kingdom, not just in heaven, as we think about God's kingdom on earth, as Matthew 6 tells us, when he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if I want the will of God in heaven to happen right here on earth, what does that look like? What, what, is, that, what is that gonna be? Is that we've, we've made a bunch of coins, we've conquered a bunch of cities, we've built some buildings? No, probably not. The, the currency of God's kingdom is purity and perfection. That, that's the currency of God's kingdom. That's, that's heavenly kind of stuff. In heaven, it's perfectly pure, and purely perfect for all you taking notes with peas. That's what it is. I'm all about the alliteration today. But I think about that. If I want heaven on earth and it not just be a Blenda Carlisle song for all you 80s fans, I, I appreciate that a lot, really. You have no idea. No idea. But if I want that, then what, does it, what is it supposed to look like here? Pure. 
And when I think about purity, I think about snowdrifts in the, in the mountains where no one has touched it. White as white can be. Perfect. When I think about purity and perfection, I think about a newborn child. I don't think about a 50-year-old guy who stands up every week and talks a bunch. And you probably don't think about yourself that way either. But if I want your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, and I've been called a disciple, a priest, a servant, then the currency I have to trade is purity and perfection. Because I've been made pure by the death of Jesus on the cross. I've been made perfect in my Father's eyes because I've placed my faith in that once and for all sacrifice on the cross. And so I can give that currency away because God wants to make all things new. That's what heaven's all about, all things new. And so if I want heaven here on earth, if I want God's kingdom to come and I'm going to present that, the thing of value to that, then I'm going to present all things new. That God can make you new. He can bring you peace. He can make you perfect. He can wipe away the stain of sin and make you pure again. He's done it. And so that currency of purity and perfection, to make all things new, to bring peace Not just to me individually and to you individually, but to bring peace among all nations. Because guess what's going to happen? Guess what is happening uh, right now in heaven? Every tribe and tongue and nation is singing praise to our Heavenly Father. That's the goal. That every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every color, every race, every uh, socioeconomic demographic will praise his name. And so what's my goal? What's the currency that I'm trading in this kingdom? It's love and peace and grace and worship. It's perfect relationship with every person that I'm going to seek out a right relationship with you. I'm not going to wait on you to get your act together before I pursue that relationship. Because some of you are knuckleheads. And I'm a knucklehead. But I'm not going to wait for you to clean up your act to pursue that relationship with you. No, because my job, if it's kingdom in, he- in earth on, as it is in he- on earth as it is in heaven, my job is to pursue that peaceful, pure relationship with you so that you may understand what it's like to experience heaven. So that you may understand what it's like to be a part of God's kingdom. So that you may understand what it's like to experience peace and joy like no other. So you may experience what it's like to have forgiveness and grace and mercy. So I'm going to pursue those things. That's the currency that I'm going to trade with. Because I just don't want a perfect relationship with you. I want a perfect relationship with my king I want a perfect relationship with my king, Jesus. And so when I have a right relationship with you, 
I can have a right relationship with him. And when I have a right relationship with him, I can have a right relationship with you. And so I'm going to pursue those things of love and grace and forgiveness and holiness and peace and harmony and everlasting joy and worship. Those are the things that I'm going to live out. Those are the things that I'm going to trade and give away so that the kingdom as it is in heaven will be like that right here on earth. And so I let you off the hook earlier and allowed you to pray silently. That time's up. And so I'm going to ask you to be bold in this moment. And if you're an introvert, you do as you will. I'm an extrovert most of the time. And so I don't identify that way, and so I, but I understand. But I'm going to ask you to pray out loud this time about the things that matter in God's kingdom. That, that I would be a person who speaks about, who lives out those valuable things in the kingdom of God, like joy and peace grace and forgiveness, harmony and love, the valuable matters. And that rather than pursuing the temporary rewards of this earth, I will store up treasure in heaven. And that's going to be the currency that I rest in so that I can celebrate for all of eternity what God has done in his kingdom on earth just like he did it in heaven. And so I invite you to pray out loud that you would seek after those things, those currencies of the kingdom of love and grace and peace and joy and harmony, the valuable things of the kingdom, forgiveness and mercy. And so pray that God would put those things in your heart that you could share them with others. Let's pray together. Father, we bow in this moment and we ask that as we think about your kingdom, that there would be a boldness to us, 
that even in these moments when we're with hundreds of other people, that we wouldn't hold back, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be silent. They would come to your throne boldly because we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Not just in this room and online, but a heavenly cloud of witnesses. And so we're in a safe place here, Lord. And so more so than perhaps any other place, may we experience and express boldness for the things that matter. Help us to focus our attention on the more valuable things in life. And those valuable things are the things of your kingdom. And though we can't always see the reward, we can't always see the tangible result of our holiness, we can't always see the tangible result of our faithful witness, we can't always see the tangible result of our generosity and giving, we can't always see the tangible result of peace and forgiveness. May we continue to pursue those things, to pursue holiness and love and grace, justice. May we continue to pursue salvation for every person and we'll trust you that as we do so, as we give our life away for those things that matter, we are storing up treasures in your heavenly kingdom to be celebrated not just today, maybe even not today, but they'll be celebrated for eternity. Amen. As we wrap up today, I want to share one last question with you. Because if we understand the, the players, the characters in God's kingdom, if we understand those things of value in the kingdom of God, the currency of God's kingdom, then we have to know that there's a calling on our lives to live it out. And so what is your calling in this great kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven? We are calling, as we even said earlier, is a, a servant the one who gives his life, her life away. But you're also an ambassador because even though we live in the United States of America and in the great state of Texas, this is not our home. And so we're an ambassador for a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. We're an ambassador to this strange place because we're aliens, the Bible says. And I immediately think about people with crazy shapes. But we're, we're foreigners in this land. And so we're an ambassador representing the king. We're representing King Jesus. But we're also an advocate. We're one who stands in the gap for others. One who helps call people to Jesus who is our great advocate, our high priest. But we're also torchbearers. Because the Bible says we have a light. And should we hide it under a bushel? Thank you for that rousing no. It was like the golf version of no. 
I'm looking more for like the college football no, but that's okay. No. No, we're, we're to be a city on a hill. We're, we're to be shining our light brightly. We're torchbearers. We're, we're the ones leading the pack, leading the way. That's who we are, to shine brightly, to fan the flame of, of what God is doing in our lives. Because God's kingdom is here right now. And you know why? Because you're here. You're God's ambassador. He's sent you and me as his adopted sons and daughters, his royal priesthood, to be his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so I want to live up to that high calling of being a torchbearer, an ambassador, a servant, an advocate for the things of God. His kingdom is coming, but his kingdom is here. And that's the beauty of how God works. It's already here, but it's not yet here either. There's a whole study on that subject in theology. But God's kingdom is here because you're here, because Jesus has come, but yet God is going to still make his kingdom come. And in that in-between time, while I'm already a part of his kingdom and not yet part, I want to shine brightly because I'm surrounded by darkness. And so I invite you to pray with me. As we close our service, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. That you would pray in this moment as the band comes up in a moment we have a time of response. Maybe there's something today that you kind of struck a chord in you about your place in the kingdom and and you want to pray with somebody or you just want to come down front and pray again because we're in a series on prayer. So it's okay to pray and pray a lot. Uh, But some of our staff will be down front on the sides if you want to pray with somebody or just pray on your own. But I want this final prayer uh, as we close this time and begin to respond to what God's kingdom is all about. That this would be your prayer. So will you bow with me? as we pray. Father, we do ask that your name be hallowed. We don't need to ask that. We need to declare it, that your name is set apart, completely different, holy beyond us. But you've made us holy as well because of your son, Jesus. And so give us the eyes to see that you've placed each of us, every one of us in this room and online, you've placed us in your kingdom today that we may represent that kingdom to others. Lord, give us opportunities to shine brightly for you. Whether that's in chemistry or my cubicle, whether that's on a Zoom call or at band practice, whether on the athletic field or when I'm on the highway. If I'm shopping or getting my hair done, or let me shine brightly at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Lord, you've called me to be a servant to all and to shine brightly for your kingdom. And so in those moments when I don't understand or I can't see it, let me trust you. 
Let me trust you that you've put me exactly where you want me to be to shine brightly for your kingdom. Help me to live out your kingdom come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.